While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. is how you can get in the program tonight. We're also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat uh, if you want to shoot me a message. You know, we're just talking a little bit about, it looks, you know, we're just talking a little bit about um, the uh, the midterms. I talked about it with Congressman Jaycock and Kloss. He called it a repudiation of extremism. Um, You know, I, I, I think in a lot of ways that's right. Uh, I think, you know, the overturning of Roe v. Wade uh, is one of the things that doomed Republicans. Um, I think running terrible candidates like Dr. Oz and Don Baldock and um, Blake Masters, you know, I think running bad candidates, uh, too. Um, you look, Lauren Boebert's on her heels, the one of like the far right, I guess, quote unquote, populist uh, members of Congress. Uh, she might win. It looks like she's going to pull it off, but just barely. And she might, she still might lose. Um, so I think that's a, I think that's a correct assessment. Again, we're going to have uh, Armin Thomas from uh, Split Ticket call in. Uh, should be calling in any minute now. But in the interim, I'll take your calls and take your app chat messages at 508 996 You know, there's a lot of talk now about whether or not, you know, Ron DeSantis is going to run for president and, you know, how his, I don't know, he had this, uh, he had this, um, (laughs) I'm just, he had this, uh, like soaring, I don't know, like all pump up speech and, Oh my God, it was so amazing. I don't know. I thought it was whatever. Um, but I guess that speech isn't for me. Um, I, I think Trump kills him in a primary and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, but I guess we'll get into the, get into them later. We're, we're joined by Armin Thomas now. Hey, Armin. Hey, Marcus. How you doing? Good. So Sorry I am uh, late. I had uh, a lot of stuff covering these midterms, you know? No, I get it. It it, uh, it happens. So uh, I've had some people just not show up before. So um, being late is a is a much preferable alternative. So Armin, uh, before we get started, um, what is uh, you, you're an elections mapper? You're a partner at the website uh, called Split Ticket. What is Split Ticket? So Split Ticket is an elections coverage outlet, right? We're kind of like 
what Nate Silver does with 538, um, or, you know, what the Upshot does at the New York Times. You know, we try to provide an interesting perspective that, you know, other people, you know, might not consider, you know, grounded in data, married with a little bit of qualitative analysis as well. Um, and so, you know, we did our predictions for the race. You know, we've kind of been covering the race and, you know, the actual votes that have been coming in and, you know, seeing how they're breaking. And, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting picture that we see. Um, you know, we uh, had our ratings, you know, designed around the Republican-leading environment, but that just doesn't really seem to be what is materializing here. Um, and, you know, we, we built a tracker about, you know, who is going to win more votes for the House, the Democrats or the Republicans. And we said the Democrats were going to do that. Um, you know, separately, but we thought that was so crazy, right? Because all of the polling indicators we had, you know, pointed to a mildly Republican-leading environment. So we didn't actually base our ratings off of that, even though we had that as an advisory tracker. But it seems that that other side of what we did was actually correct. So, you know, it was uh, it was a pretty it was a pretty good. You know, even if we weren't necessarily right about how individual races went, you know, we certainly undershot Democrats as I think a lot of people did, you know, we got yeah. the directionality of things correct and we got, um, uh, you know, the overall picture of how, if we were wrong, how it would go wrong. We got that right. So, uh, you know, I think overall it's been a pretty good uh, set of results in well, terms of matching split tickets well, projections. Well, the thing is with, with, you know, like guys like you and Nate Silver, like it's, it's probabilities, right? It's not like, this is going to happen. You're saying this is likely to happen based on this. This is likely to happen based on that. Based on that. Exactly. If this doesn't happen, it's because of this. If this doesn't happen, it's probably because of that. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's uh, I think that's um, a good way of looking at it. So it looks like are, you know are, are Republicans going to take the House? So I'm going to lean yes, very very tentatively. Um, it depends on a number of outstanding seats. It's, piece, it's right? kind of amazing that this is an off. This is a this is a midterm year. The party's yeah, out of I power. Gas is however much gas is today. A million dollars a gallon. There's inflation and and whatever economic angst. And you're saying that you're going to lean tentatively towards the party out of power winning the midterm elections. I just think about 2010 yeah. when things weren't. It's, I it, would I would never have believed this happening. Right. I mean. Again, every indicator we had pointed to a modest Republican, you know, set of pickups in the House and the Senate. Um, yeah, I mean, it really depends on, you know, especially control of the House is going to come down to states with a lot of outstanding mail-in ballots like Arizona and California and Washington. One thing we do know, I'm pretty comfortable saying that Lauren Boebert has won re-election in Colorado's third district. That was close, that was, uh, that was on nobody's radar as being remotely competitive. Okay, except ours. We moved it to likely Republican out of an absolute abundance of caution. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we didn't seriously think she was in danger of losing. And, you know, I think she'll end up winning by less than 1,000 votes based on, you know, the little that we know about where the ballots are coming from and all of that. Um, but that forecloses some of the path. But, you know, Washington's third, Arizona's first, Arizona's sixth as well, maybe, perhaps. Um, you know, and then numerous seats like in California, like District 13, 22, 27, uh, 47, 49 that are still, you know, up in the air. Most of those should break for Democrats, but I think they'll fall one or two seats short of a majority, which will be 
really something to see. You know, I'm not a political prognosticator or anything in terms of what happens after the votes are counted and they get to D.C. in terms of the legislating. So I don't know how that's going to work, but, you know, I can imagine it'll be, it'll be you know, uh, ample environment for some firecrackers. What happened with Alan Fung? Yeah, so um, I came on here and I said, what did I tell you? Did I, did I say I think Fung wins? I don't know if you said that. Um, I remember we talked about, we might have talked about it off air, but you were like basically saying, you know, the times that they've been on the ballot together, um, Magazine has actually gotten more votes. Um, well, yeah, so I think I was right about that. Yeah. I think I was right about that. Let me see what uh, Alan Fung got um, 46.8, and that's basically the maximum that he's gotten in any any statewide race in the second that, you know, he's running. So I guess he really does have a uh, ceiling. I was also right about saying that Connecticut 5 was going to be closer than Rhode Island 2. I do remember coming on here and saying that because, yes. you know, as New England goes, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities to, you know, win seats as a Republican. And see, they're few and far between, and you can analyze them fairly well. Um, Connecticut 5 was a redder seat, redder down ballot. Um, Johanna Hayes is a worse candidate, even as an incumbent, than Seth Magaziner was. Um, and in a neutral environment, right, which is what this is, uh, there really was not a more than 50% chance for Fung to win. I mean, we fundamentally misread the environment. I mean, split ticket, we picked uh, both Logan, who is the Republican in Connecticut 5, as well as Fung. Mm -hmm. But uh, we caveated that by saying we think Logan is a better chance to win than Fung, which ended up being correct. Um, yeah. Well, why? I mean, I guess with Rhode Island, it's just people, you know, voters coming home, right, uh, to, to where they normally go, uh, I think especially at a time like this, but why, why did them? Why did why do you, why is it that Republicans under well, actually why is it that L Lauren Boebert almost lost or maybe she might still lose? There's yeah, an outside so chance. I've been covering that extensively on Twitter, you know, and to my knowledge, so obviously some of it is the fact that she's very caustic and gets she is, people. To she's horrendous. Her, yeah. Right. Yeah. But. Uh, it's not just that, because if it was just that, you would only see the counties that make up the third being, you know, constituting a close race for the House. That's not true. The, the Jared Polis, the governor, and Senator Michael Bennett are also putting in performances that um, are also going to be very close within the boundaries of the third. I think Polis is narrowly carrying the third district, and Bennett is going to probably run behind that a little bit, but not by much. We'll see. Um so I think part of it is that I think part of it is also um, there's a lot of historical republicanism in the third counties, especially in Mesa, which is Grand, Grand Junction, and then Delta County and Montrose counties, which, you know, the cities are the same name there as well. Um, and there are definitely some, you know, more socially libertarian, culturally moderate Republicans who have historically voted the conservative line before but you know for some or some or other reason we don't exactly know what yet because there's you know the jury's still out on a lot of things and we need reporters to go and dig things up and to look at precinct results but historically they're a lot more republican than they you know ought to be and much in the same way that you know a kushnet which you're very familiar with yeah. is a lot more democratic than it ought to be even as it is now a trump one town it didn't used to be that way trump won in a, in a hodgson one town too i think uh, pretty comfortably as well 
Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. I haven't really, I haven't looked at the Hodgson results, but I'm impressed that he actually lost. I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, I didn't either. Um, but I thought yeah, it could have. I thought it could have happened. I just didn't think it would. You know, with, yeah, with the Hodgson race. I, I think Lauren Bobert is ultimately going to win because Pueblo, which is you know one of the bigger, uh, er, the bigger counties in the third, and has a lot of working class Hispanics and working class whites. Pueblo's moved more Republican um, than it used to be. You know, kind of similar to a Fall River or New Bedford. Um, and so the margins that the Democrat, Adam Frisch, can get out of there just aren't as big as they used to be. Yeah. And it's still a Republican district, so it moved left, but just just closed but no cigar, you know? So I think come in the next couple cycles, you know, Democrats will try to smell blood in the water and, you know, we'll see exactly where we can go with that. So we're speaking with Armin Thomas. He's an election mapper. He works uh, on a website called uh, Split Ticket. He's actually a partner on that website. So, um, Armin, uh, so you're, you're thinking like right now it looks like a one or two seat majority in the in the in the House for the Republicans. What about the Senate? It looks like I mean, we're, we're assuming Ron Johnson's going to get reelected, right? He is. Yeah, he is. OK, um, so with the Senate, it basically boils down to Arizona and Nevada because Dr. Oz got destroyed in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I did well, not expect you, that. Yeah, you said he was going to You said he was going to win. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody thought he was going to win. Um, yeah, I kind of you know, I did, too. Yeah, everybody. All of the major forecasters thought he was going to win. Um, yeah. And we said, you know, Fetterman can win, but it'll be close. I mean, we did not expect a four point Fetterman win. Um you know, I guess, the, you know, the polling somehow underestimated Democrats, which is unusual given the past two to three cycles sure. of what happened. But, um, you know, Dr. Oz was actually that bad of a candidate. Well, so, yeah, he, he I mean, he was pretty horrendous. Uh, but uh, he, I, I always say this. He murdered puppies for a living. He, he got paid to murder puppies. Um, so. Uh, well, let, let's be let's be very clear here. So. He got paid to experiment in puppies and euthanize them, which he failed to do. Um, <laughs> okay. No, no, he got paid I, to I try to murder puppies. I, I, I don't condone that, but there is a place for things like that in the context of scientific research, and it does happen, you know, with con with controlled, regulated procedures. Dr. Oz did not do that, and that I is that is the real thing here. Is that he applied the, the the death to the dog without any without any sedation or medication or whatever? Um, thanks for. I, I just want to be clear. I do not condone puppy killing. I yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave those comments there because um, I don't want to get into the bioethics of of uh, of puppy euthanasia. <laughs> So um, we're speaking with Armin Thomas. He works at Split Ticket. All right. So you said N Nevada. I th looks like Laxalt's ahead. He's gonna is is he likely to win that? I don't think so. Um, hmm. I think that there's most of the ballots that are left are mail-in ballots, okay. which are you know heavily going to favor Catherine Cortez Master, the Democrat. Um, you know she's only down sixteen thousand votes, and there's still at least like a hundred thousand ballots that have to be counted. And, you know, some of these batches of mail-in ballots are coming in at two-to-one margins for the Democrats. Okay. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, I would rather be Catherine Cortez Master right now. Arizona-wise, I, uh, I think Blake Masters really does not have much of a path. 
Um, because yeah, I mean, no. Mark Kelly is outperforming Biden in rural Arizona, uh, much less Maricopa. Um, now, granted, rural Arizona doesn't have a lot of people, but it has a lot of culturally conservative whites, which are, you know, somewhat similar to culturally conservative whites in Maricopa. And, you know, if if uh, Kelly's holding up well with culturally conservative whites across the board, there really isn't much of a path for uh, Blake Masters. So um, I think it's fairly likely, you know, we haven't officially said it, but it's not impossible that Democrats can just get to 50 seats without even uh, worrying about a runoff in Georgia. Oh, because they picked up the seat in Pennsylvania. Exactly, which no, which no one really expected to do. That's right. So if they, they would just need to win Nevada and then Georgia's... Georgia. If they win Nevada and they, if, they, if they maintain their leads in Nevada and Arizona, then yeah, the Senate is Democratic. Huh. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, you still... Got to deal with mansion and cinema and all of that, but so we're speaking with Armin Thomas of uh, of of Split Ticket. So it looks. So what about the runoff in Georgia? Um, that's guaranteed to happen at this point, right? Because just for yeah, people who don't yeah. know, if you don't get fifty percent of the vote in Georgia or over fifty percent, uh, if one candidate doesn't get over fifty percent, it goes then to a runoff election in which. Um, you know, the candidates that the other, it's the top two candidates in the field, basically. Right. right. Yeah. So w- what do you think is going to happen there? I think, Wa- I think Warnock is very narrowly favored. Um, okay. yeah, I think, yeah, but now, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, campaigning affects a, a lot of things. What are the, some of the other, uh, dis- like, you know, we talked about Bogert. She's likely to win um, based on what you're seeing. Are there any others, like, what are, What do you, th- if if it's going to be, you know, a one-vote Democratic lead or a one-vote Republican lead in the House, um, what do you think a couple other of the deciding uh, House races are? Um, I mean, I think California 27, Christy Smith versus Mike Garcia is going to be very important. I think that California 22, Rudy Salas versus David Valadeo is there. California 41, which is Will Rollins versus Ken Calvert is also there. Um, you know, I think that, um, yeah, there's just Arizona 1, Arizona 6. I forget the name. I think Arizona 1 is Jevin Hodge versus uh, Dave Schweiker. And then Arizona 6 is Juan Cisco Mani versus Kirsten Angle. Um, so, uh, how long till all of this is figured out? We know who wins what, where. Um, a week at least, probably. A week at least before we just, before we know who has both chambers. That's interesting. So, a lot. So, let's talk about something that's a little bit more. And if if you'll if you'll like entertain me on this, talk about something that's a little bit more abstract but likely to happen. Um. Ron DeSantis won his gubernatorial election. They basically, I think they, it was called at the time the polls closed. Um, so, and he had some speech that I guess Republicans thought was like epic and awesome. Um, he's going to be, Ron, and then Trump came out with a statement that saying, calling him Ron DeSanctimonious. I think there's better nicknames he can think of for Ron DeSantis, and I think he will. He's just got to get in his groove. Um, do you have any thoughts on a potential Republican primary between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump and who would be likely to win? Yeah, so I think that um, 
I think Trump would start out at a, as a favorite. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's still the incumbent president. And the, the well, well, people I, do think there are people that do think he's the incumbent president. He's literally the president. So that's that's part of it. But um, sorry, continue. Uh, the DeSantis hype is very much from uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, college educated Republicans of the type that, you know, are, you know, angered that they don't really control the direction of the GOP anymore. You know, they saw that with yep. Trump, you know, especially with the anti-Trump Republicans where, you know, the wheels came off the bus and they were like, you know, we want to stop Trump. Um, you know, DeSantis is that type of guy. You know, he can deliver all of the right-wing culture war conservatism that Trump did without getting them excluded from a cocktail party because of you know, <laughs> yeah, the that's... lack of social desirability that is associated with Trump in college-educated circles. That's that's where, like, so that's what I was... That's what I was saying, like, about I was telling one of my friends that Ron DeSantis is very much like the Elizabeth Warren of the Republican Party in that, like, very popular online, uh, very popular with, like, college-educated whites. And but when you get down to, like, the base, uh, people, you know, like, people don't think about it as much as you do or I do or any like peep somebody with maybe a little bit more background in education and people don't think about it as much. They just like the guy that they like. Exactly. Right. Like uh, how familiar are you with the guy named J.R. Majewski? Uh, yeah, fairly. Okay. So J.R. Majewski, did he lose to J.D. Vance in the, in well, the, so he ran against Marcy Kaptur for house. Okay. Um, and he got smacked. He I was, was thinking like of uh, jo jo Josh Mandel maybe. Or oh something. yeah. 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 <laughs> Okay, well, Josh Mandel was basically aping being a Trump loon. He's not actually some MAGA person like that. Yeah. Um, okay, but you're saying Majewski. Majewski ran for Congress, and his like he became famous for painting a giant picture of Trump on his lawn. Uh, oh, I remember was, this guy. Yeah. He was at the insurrection. Yep. And yes. he made a rap video where he said, let's go Brandon and whatnot. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I remember mean, this guy. Yeah. That guy is much more emblematic of the Republican base mm -hmm. than, you know, conservative commentators on Twitter who say that, you know, Trump is unpresidential and we need Ron DeSantis. I mean, I yeah. agree Trump is unpresidential, but Ron DeSantis, you know, there's not that much substantively different than Trump, you know. There's um, nothing substantively different other than he's less rude. There's, there's the exact same person. They do the. They like the exact same things. They have the exact same policies. It's 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 just a. It's lipstick on a pig. It's the exact same thing. It's the exact same awfulness and homophobia and 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 uh, and race baiting as, as as Trump does. It's just like presented in a way. It's presented in a tinier package with a comb over. That, I, that's. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little bit more of my own opinions in that. But oh, it's okay. I mean, I'm. I mean, look. I'll factually state things, which is that Ron DeSantis is not, you know, that different, politically speaking. You know, if the things he's done as governor are not that different than what, you know, a Trump, like what Trump has tried to do and things like that. Um, so, and, and, I, and if you look at Ron DeSantis, you know, he's doing well in Florida, but that's also part of the reason is because, you know, where are all of the, you know, culturally conservative reactionary people from Massachusetts and New York and everybody moving to Florida? Florida. Yeah. You know, they're all self-selecting into a place that, you know, is kind of just as, uh, you know, 
swampy cage of reactionary politics. Um, right. And, you know, that's why he's winning by 20. You know, so, I, you know college-educated whites in Massachusetts and college-educated whites in Pennsylvania are very different than college-educated whites in Florida. And, you know, he's never really had a um, – and in terms of a general election right, the, I'm not exactly sure that he's a particularly – um, his campaigning style lends himself well to that against a Democrat that like Andrew Gillum that he beat, you know, had his own set of issues. And he's still sure, barely he still sure he sure did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, yeah, you're right. Exactly. No, no, that's true. And he, he did. He barely beat him. I remember that in 2018, actually, everybody was projecting that the, the Democrats would win the, uh, the governor's, uh, and Senate seat and they barely lost both of them. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was thinking the same thing, like, you know, go tell the, the children of the corn in Iowa that, uh, well, Ron DeSantis is, you know, uh, has, uh, policies and he's, uh, he's executed and all of that. No, they just like the, they, they, they don't have, he doesn't have the same bravado, not to mention this shouldn't matter, but it does. Trump's like six, four, right? Ron DeSantis, oh, it does, yeah. Ron DeSantis is what? Five, eight with a comb over and has like a light sort of screechy voice. And that matters in presidential politics. I'm sorry. You know, he's going to call him like, you know, like Dinky DeSantis or something like that. And that's going to stick well, he with him. He called him Ron DeSanctimonious is he, what he said. He can do better. He can do better. Regular Ron would be better. Like, he can do better. I, I think he's just got to, he's got to, you know, he, he's been out of the game for a while. He's got to get his, he'll, he'll get his fastball again. I think he will. And, and, he, and when you see him up in the, the debates, uh, the, debate stage and he's verbally abusing him i mean this is all more substantive stuff but anyway armin thomas the split ticket uh i appreciate you coming on is there anything else that people should watch for in the coming like week or so uh with trying to decide who, uh, figure out who wins the um yeah watch the california house races i mean they there's a lot of mail-in ballots there they're gonna count them but it, you know mail-in mail-in votes take a lot of time to count mm-hmm. um you know and, i mean they do i mean in-person votes, too, do as well. But mail-in votes, um, especially when they're postmarked uh, after, you know, you can... Well, okay, let me, let, me, let me start again. I'm, I'm tripping over my own words. In California, mail-in votes, as long as they're postmarked by Election Day, can be legally counted. Okay. Which means that it's like no matter the date, um, as long as they receive a ballot that was sent by Election Day they'll have to count it by law. And that means this can take forever. You know, that's different than, I think, Florida. They have it so that it has to be received by Election Day um, in order to be counted. Which, and, you know, it doesn't impact turnout or anything. Turnout in Florida is very, very high. But, you know, we know the results very, very quickly in Florida. We don't necessarily in California. But watch the California results because that's where, you know, the House is going to be decided. So... That's interesting. So we'll look at that. We'll, we'll look at those races. I want to, uh, before I let you go, I want to bring you back here to New England just for one more uh, election that, uh, you know, people thought for like a couple days uh, before the election day was competitive and turned out not to be. Um, Don Bolduc versus Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire. Um, oh, yeah. So I guess if we're in the business of airing opinions and whatnot, right? Um, the New Hampshire Republican hype is what you get when, you know, GOP-leaning consultants in New England and the Boston area 
yeah. run out of ideas for things that they can actually win. Yeah, um, right. That's basically what it is, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Chris Sununu is the last hope of the New Hampshire GOP. And even he yeah. only won by 15 when he won by 33 last year. And, and, and he's a legacy. He, he's, a, he's a legacy. Yeah, he's, he's coasting on the family name. Right? Yeah, right, exactly. Um, and, and Don Bolduck is... He's just out of step, you know. New, ha- I mean, Sununu is conservative, but you know he he can uh, you know portray himself as someone who's moderate and understands mm-hmm. that New Hampshire is a changing place, and you know you can't get away with being you know an open super MAGA Republican in the way Don Bolduc did. Right. And you know, I thought Bolduc was going to lose by three. I mean, he's he's closer to losing to thirteen. <laughs> I mean, the state is just. I mean, okay, one, it's more democratic than we thought it was going to be, but two, the state's just changed. And, um, you know, Maggie Hassan, you know, everyone thought that, um, you know, she was in some kind of danger, but it really didn't seem that way. And even against Chris Sununu, who was going to run, you know, I don't think he would have beaten Maggie Hassan in this environment with how things are going. I mean, even in New Hampshire right now, the state house is borderline tied. The two congressional candidates... Are, that they that they nominated uh, Levitt and uh, Bob Burns both flamed out. Yeah, I mean at this point, you know, they gerrymandered the state senate to have some relevancy for some longer uh, time. But I don't really, you know, I don't really see what's in the cards for them other than you know coming up for a lot of close losses the way that Republicans seem to do in uh, in Pennsylvania and things like that. So Armin Thomas, a split ticket, that's splitticket.org if people want to uh, uh, see your elections coverage, right? Splitticket.org. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Splitticket.org. Hey, thanks split, for... Split-ticket.org. Sorry. Split-ticket.org if people want to see your elections coverage. Armin, thanks for joining me. Um, I'll def- we'll, we will definitely have you on again to break down what happened after it's all been decided. And uh, take a look at that county sheriff's race, uh, the Bristol County Sheriff's race, too, because I'd love to get your opinion on it. Of course, yes. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Okay, so that was Armin Thomas' split ticket. Just wanted to talk a little bit about the midterms and some of the national stuff. I'm going to take a break, and we'll be right back. 1420 WBSN. Hi, I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Yeah, so, uh, man, a week before we see who takes the uh, both chambers. That's that's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really interested in the, the, the Trump versus DeSantis stuff uh, that's that's coming out now. Um, again, I, I, I just don't see how uh, I just don't see how Trump doesn't win the Republican primary. So, um, and I, yeah, I don't get it. Like, because everybody's like, you know, I've, I've, I've been hearing, oh, Trump's all everybody Trump endorsed just lost, like a Doctor Oz and all of that, right? Oh, everybody he endorsed. Nobody won. Nobody won in the general, but in the primary they did, right? I think he did pretty well for his endorsements. Uh, for his endorsements in the primary, I think, um, like I said, it's like the, I think it's like the Liz Warren thing. Like, people, like, it's someone that can, you, you're trying to triangulate, right? Sort of. The you you sort of like I think with DeSantis it's like you're trying to triangulate like Warren was trying to triangulate like the moderate Biden wing and the the more progressive Bernie wing um, and it didn't work 
I think DeSantis is sort of the same thing. He's trying to triangulate like the sort of visceral, right? Like sort of the visceral politics of of Trump, you know, the um versus like but trying to like, you know, the more like presentable, professional type of uh demeanor like a Kasich, like a John Kasich or something like that, or um or even a John Sununu, right? Someone someone like that. And people just want one thing or the other. And I think with Trump they that's what they want. I think they you wanna like that sort of like very like visceral like, you know, these people are bad and that stuff. I, I think that's I think that's what people are going to go for. Plus he just presents better. He's, he's, he's Trump's bigger. He's funnier. Um, Ron DeSantis is, uh, like a, um, like a foot shorter has a squeaky voice and, and like, look, none of that stuff should matter. Right. You're, but it does. It just does. Look at Biden's six feet, Obama's six feet. Um, Trump six, four, right. Bill Clinton, six feet, Bush, six feet, I think. So if you're not like 5'11 to six feet, usually you're not, you're not going to be president. Uh, that's, that's just how, I mean, that's honestly, that's just how it's been for a long time. Um, usually you need to be taller. Uh, and when you have a guy that's like 6'4 and does like a great job making fun of people, right? Um, I think it's going to be really difficult uh, for him to escape the hilarious nicknames he's going to probably come up with for uh, for Ron DeSantis like he did with, did with everybody else. Because as soon as he slaps that label on the guy, you know, low en- Jeb's low energy, right? Lion Ted, Little Marco. Yeah, they, they can't escape it. It's too catchy. So the, Ron DeSanctimonious isn't good. He'll, I, he'll get his, he'll, I'm telling you, he'll get his fastball. He'll get his fastball. I think. I think. I mean, DeSantis needs to. And the thing is, is he can't avoid it. He's got to run. He's got to run now because this. He's got the momentum coming off getting reelected. You know, people are still remembering the the storm, uh, the the storm recovery, and all of that. If you if you wait around too long, something's you're going to get something. Right. There's going to be something that's going to stick to you that's going to create your political career. You can't wait too long. That's what Obama. Same thing with Obama. Obama knew as soon as he as soon as he got elected to the Senate, he had to start preparing to run for president, because if you stick around too long, this something's going to stick to you. Right. Uh, You know, I always think of Chris Christie with Bridgegate. Chris Christie was going to be the next president. Right. And then he stuck around too long. His second term. The Bridgegate scandal basically tanked his political career. So, and he tried to run in 2016 and like, I mean, flamed out pretty miserably. So you've got to go when you've got the momentum. If you don't, then you're not going to, you're not going to win. You're not, you're definitely not going to win. But I don't think, I don't think DeSantis necessarily maybe wants to run against Donald Trump, but I also don't think he's going to have a choice. It's just, we're still early on that stuff too. But we're hearing, you know, we're hearing Trump's going to make a, his presidential announcement sometime in like the next week or so, right? I, I heard the 14th. 508-996-0500. New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. There's literally... 
the local issues from the inside out, and they call it like they see it. Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow are back with more South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Yeah, it's just Marcus actually tonight, and Chris Chris will be back uh, tomorrow. And we have uh, New Bedford Mayor Scott Lang. He, of course, is you know very uh, involved in um, he's very involved in, in strategy and campaigning and for himself and other people uh, at the local, state, and national level. So interested to hear his thoughts on the midterms, uh, thoughts on the city elections, and all of that. I do want to like close out some of the midterm talk, and then I want to get into a very local race that we're going to pivot to uh, after the dust has settled. Um, on these uh, on these elections, <clears throat> but it looks like that you know basically in the in the in the exit polls, it's showing that people while people disapproved of Biden, they still voted Democrat anyway. So it looks like a lot of people split their ticket. Uh, a lot of people split their ticket against Biden. You know, like they voted for Biden and vote, voted Republicans in the um, twenty in the uh, in the twenty twenty election, right? Democrats lost seats. Uh, they gained a couple Senate seats, but they lost seats in the House. Um, so I think, you know, what Biden was trying, I think that's what he's, you know, that that speech with the red background and all of that, where he was, you know, everybody freaked out about it. I think that's what he was trying to do is paint some, you know, paint that picture for people to say those people that split their ticket, you need to, you, you need to actually like you, if you, you know, you like me. Or you think I'm more palatable than Trump? Well, everybody, you know, everybody down ballot is just as bad as Trump is. That's basically what he's trying to do. I think that's that's what he's trying to accomplish, and it might have worked. I'm going to take a break. And I actually want to talk about the ward the the ward three uh, city council election that's going to be coming up. So stay tuned.